Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. And welcome back to a fresh episode of Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm delighted today to be joined by Alison Edgar. Alison is the director at Sales Coaching Solutions Limited. She teaches startups, micro-owned, and managed businesses and sales team on how to sell fantastic products and services over and over again. According to Forbes magazine, 90% of all startup businesses fail. Alison made it her one mission to flip this statistic on its head and give every business a fighting chance. She's been crowned the entrepreneur's godmother by a plethora of successful entrepreneurs, including Dragon's Den and Apprentice Winners, in recognition of her outstanding contribution to enterprise. Alison was invited to attend the Queen's Royal Garden Party at Buckingham Palace and was named one of the UK's top 10 business advisors. She now works with conglomerates such as Sky and the Discovery Channel to teach their teams to think entrepreneurially, which encourages growth mindsets outside of the box thinking and leads to increasing overall sales. Her debut book, Secrets of Sales, Sorry, Secrets of Successful Sales is an international bestseller with over 125 star reviews. She's been stocked in the top 10 business books in WH Smith's and was featured in the Independence 2019 Top Business Books written by women. Alison, that is a heck of a lot of good things that you've done. A very warm welcome. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Sam. Literally, I, pr- I promise you, I never tired of hearing that introduction because. Um, I never ever thought that I would do any of those things. So I think like a takeaway straight away for the listeners is actually you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it. So thank you for such a lovely welcome. No worries. Some incredible feats there, that's for sure. So excited and looking forward to jumping in today, Alison. And as always, there's a few main things that we'd love to learn from yourself. Um, We want to learn your top business growth strategies. We want to learn your top digital marketing and marketing general tips for the audience. But before we get to that good stuff, we'd love to learn a bit more about yourself. So where you grew up, a bit more about your story, really, Alison. So some of the key businesses you've worked at and some actionable tips in business sales and marketing that you could share with us, please. For sure. So um, as you can hear by the accent, I'm Scottish. I don't know if you've had any other Scottish people on the podcast so far. I don't far, think we that. have, actually. I don't think we have. So I'm your premier Scottish person. So um, although we live not too far away, like I'm in Wiltshire and you're in Somerset. So we met through LinkedIn and LinkedIn makes the world so small, doesn't it? You can fit the world as far as LinkedIn goes. So it's interesting. Originally, I would never have classified myself in sales or in business. My background is actually hospitality. So I started as a hotel receptionist. I left school at 16 and moved into a hotel reception. And I think it was a really small family hotel. And I was talking to somebody yesterday and I think this is one of the most important things that I learned that when I started, I thought that all hotel receptions did was smile and give out keys. I thought, that's a great job, I can do that. But actually what happened was, I learned a lot about running the business because every single penny that came through the hotel was actually coming through me. So 
oh, this is going to make me sound really old. But there was no computers. We had to do it all in manual tabs. So it was ah. like a big book, a pencil, must be really good at maths. and a rubber. Well, the, we did have calculators. It was ah, okay. like after the abacus days, we did have a calculator. So what it did give me a great understanding was how to make money in a business. And I think that was a, a you know, fundamental skill that I could work out. I could also work out um, if any of the stock went missing. So if the bar stock was missing, I could work out based on the measures. Also, when I was 17, I was MC in weddings. So it gave me a really good understanding of people, leadership. So it, I really started at quite a young age with the skills that Got we okay. sales and in business. So I think that was important. I then went on to work in Cape Town for Southern Suns and for Radisson in Sydney. So I worked internationally, me and my little backpack toodled around the world for six years. So oh, amazing. But that was yeah, quite an experience. Well, again, you know, it's coming at, bringing it back to the listeners that, you know, it was a really frightening thing to change and, and move countries and do that on my own. And, and I think we become quite complacent in our path and, and we take the path of least resistance. And sometimes actually to fill your full potential, you have to be brave and be bold and do things differently, especially now, the way the world is, you know, a lot of people in sales, you know, potentially losing their jobs and different things. It's, you know, really doing you know being bold and making sure you do things differently because i think it's you know fortune favors the brave so when i came back to the uk um i met my husband who i'm still i'm still married to 20 odd years later and he had was a software developer and he worked monday to friday nine to five so i had an ultimatum I think unless I got a job that was Monday to Friday, nine to five, I was going to get dumped, Sam. So <laughs> it was a keeper. I decided I quite liked this one. So I had to get a, a job Monday to Friday. And at the time they were advertising for one of the first outbound call centers that BT had ever opened in the country. Interesting. So okay. A, a, yeah. DMDR, direct mail, direct response. So I had never been sales trained um, and they used to <laughs> literally take 200 of us. So they took they, they opened the call centre at the same time and they would take us from Glasgow on a Monday morning down to Milton Keynes because Milton Keynes was the, the main training for all of BT. And then on a Friday afternoon, 200 Scottish people returned over the border with the bar open. So I apologize oh, to anyone that was on that train no, that was a right Friday pie. afternoon from Milton Keynes to Glasgow <laughs> Central. Um, but what, you know, the really important thing with that was I was taught sales. And I think this is interesting because a lot of people, um, you know, the gift of the gab, they move into sales, but they're not sure. actually given any proper regimented training on how to sell. And I think you know, ultimately sales training as a sales trainer is, uh, I believe that you've got to know the sales process like the back of your hand. Because when I watch somebody who can sell now, I call it the magical dance. Because if if they really love sales, if they nearly, you know, know the process, I know the next word that's coming out the mouth. It's like watching, you know, Swan Lake, you know, the next paddy bar that's coming out. And that's like sales. So, you know, you're bringing that back to the listeners. If you have moved into a sales job and you've not been given structured sales training through your company, then you need to be investing in that yourself. You know, you need to be buying good books, 
you know, one of the things we were saying off there, Sam, is obviously you've had some stonking names on this podcast. You've brought in the greatest of the great in this arena. You know, listen to podcasts like yours because the, the little nuggets will really help the listeners. So appreciate um, it. So just before we move on, yeah. I like that you said a couple of things there. Before when you said when in Cape Town for six years traveling. Um, I love the fact that you said be bold and be brave in sales. So a lot of us can be guilty of getting stuck in a rut and we think like, ah, oh, I haven't hit my sales target for the last two months, um, but I'm going to keep doing the same thing. I'm going to keep sending emails. I'm going to keep doing cold calls. I'm going to keep sending spammy uh, DMs on LinkedIn. So what, when, when you say be brave, is there, are there any tangible examples you could give us of that, Alison, of unusual ways to, to break, break the mold and reach out to our ideal customers? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I know that your very first guest was Dan Disney and I'm a huge fan of Dan. And um, I love the way that Dan and Daryl from Vanilla Soft bounce off each other. And, and I'm a real fan of, I would say, social marketing meets social selling. And I think that's how okay. you do it, right? So this is a really great, tangible example of what I mean by that. So I'm a real avid you know, when we look at digital marketing, like I'll post uh, an engagement post twice a day, usually on LinkedIn and, and you know, okay. have a good open question. So what's your thoughts on that? How do you do this? Blah, 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 blah. And what that does is, you know, I've got about 20,000 connections that I've built up over the years. And a lot of them are, are really active. You know, a lot of them are like a bit of a fan base in there. They love the work that I do. They comment on it, which obviously shares it around their connections. So a lot of people will view my profile. And I think this is the thing that by generating that, you know, a marketing strategy, it, people will look at who's viewed the profile, but then they ignore it. And I'm thinking, well, that's like getting in a room. Somebody smiles at you, you know, makes eye contact, <laughs> and then you diss them. Why would you do that? So I'll give you two examples of how this has really paid off. And again, right. it, it's a numbers game. Like we would have gone in the cold calling world, you know, dial, 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 you know, so sometimes you'll start connections and they're not the right type of customers when you qualify them. But two people, this has happened twice to me, and they've viewed the profile and I've said, oh, you know, thanks very much for viewing the profile. Were you looking for something specific? Just updating your, you know, your network, you know, what's happening in your world? Again, good open questions. To me that, like you can say all you like about sales, but it hasn't changed. If you ask a good open question, you're going to be able to start a conversation. And that's all sales is. So on both occasions, one, the first time it happened, someone said, I'm looking to run the first event in the Middle East of its kind to teach entrepreneurism and sales. The second time it said, I'm running an event for the European Commission in Brussels and I'm looking for a keynote speaker. So again, just by... Not bad leads then. Not bad leads, you know, and generated from nothing, you know, and this is what I think is social selling. So if you're not doing that, you should be doing, or if you look at somebody's profile that, again, I look at a networking and I call it snog, marry, avoid. So not really marry them, but hypothetically a highly qualified prospect, then what you would do is they would probably look back at your profile and then you could start to engage that conversation. Imagine it, you're at the pub, you're, you know, quite fancy somebody and you're having that you know it's that it's the same thing isn't it so um and I, I think this is really important so so many people then start to continue the conversation on dms or maybe email don't 
don't get it off LinkedIn and get it on Zoom or get it on the phone. And that's exactly where, to me, that's where marketing and sales really, marketing ends at the moving it onto Zoom or phone call and that's where sales begins. And I think that's where the beautiful dance between sales and marketing really starts to pull together. And, you know, touch wood, I ran the event in Kuwait and I was due to speak at the European Commission in front of 600 people on the 17th of March, which was obviously cancelled for obvious reasons. But sure. you know what? They still paid me. It's still my client. I can still say that I've worked with them. That's... So again, I think it's just really important to use strategies like that. Whereas if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. You need to evolve, especially, I mean, it's interesting because we look at a lot of my entrepreneurs godmother clients are young really young entrepreneurs apprentice winners dragon's den winners all in their 20s and then i train people my age middle age should we say and i think it's again the young people that i tend to work with they love linkedin they love you know using the social but they're not as keen on the phone and then the older people again i feel i can say that because i'm in the middle age generation they like, you know, the face to face, but they're not as keen on the digital. And to me, the sales superstars are the ones that are combining both of them at the moment. That's where the gold dust is. Like that. And that's definitely something I don't do enough of. Um, maybe I, I call it because I'm too busy. I mean, I post a heck of a lot on LinkedIn, but I don't really utilize the you viewed your profile section much. So oh, often, that's gold dust. Yeah, gold I know. It, it sounds like it. I mean, what I do, I mean, I if someone views my profile, I usually connect. And if they look like a prospective customer, then I might send a tailored message. But what you've said there is a really, really good actionable tip for everyone to, to start doing because they can. So essentially we look, you viewed our profile. Um, we send them a tailored message. So hi, um, X, thanks for viewing my profile. I wondered um, what piqued your interest to yeah. browse or something yeah. open-ended like that. I, I, quite, or, or I sometimes do alternative clothes in there. You know, were you looking for something okay. specific or just updating yeah. the network? Because I think sometimes, like, because again, as, as trained salespeople, <laughs> we want to go, what were you looking for? Why were you looking? Because mm. we want to like always stick to open questions because that's, again, one of the key things, isn't it? But sometimes to soften it, but an alternative question in there isn't a bad thing. No, that's great. And then if, if they obviously give some kind of positive response, like actually I was looking to do this or I was looking for help with this or then look to move it offline. So can we set up yeah. a phone call? Can yeah. we set up or, a Zoom call, like, Skype call? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people say, oh, I've, I, I've just read one of your articles or I read yeah. like a post, I find them really motivational. Oh, mm. that's great. You know, what, and again, then you go back to say, oh, that what was it about that post that, you know, really you really enjoyed or what was it about my article? You know, again, you can have that conversation and then flip it back to them and find out what's going on. And again, it's just qualification. It's what you would do if you were doing it on the phone. It's just, to me, you know, people ask me all the time and you must get it as well. Is cold calling dead or alive? Well, it's, it's a combination of warm calling and social marketing, I think is, is where we're at now. We do, I would really challenge any company that says I've got a guy that sits in a booth every day going, can I speak yeah. to the person that deals with you? And I'm making him do a hundred calls a day because it's not 1984. That's not what we should be doing in sales. We don't have to do it that way anymore. In B2B, in B2B especially, in B2B it shouldn't be cold calling really anymore, should it? With, with all the information we've got. 
Well, I, so, I mean, it's quite interesting because I don't actually think that B2C is sales anymore. I think it's purely marketing. So um, the way that I describe it, and I talk about it in the book, Secrets of Successful Sales, is that, and it, it's really interesting because I know that, Sam, your listeners are obviously sales professionals, entrepreneurs, and, and sales leaders. And I think a lot of the stuff, if you work for a big organization, you don't really have to know the difference between sales and marketing because you're purely in a sales function. And you've got all these fancy names now that I, I can't remember, SDRs, or like, like I can't remember what they're all called because in, in my day, I'd have called it outbound telly or inbound telly or like outbound field. Or, so it, it's interesting. But if you look, my little analogy on marketing is about golf. So marketing to me, they put the, the tea in the ground and put the ball in the tea. So your LinkedIn profile, your LinkedIn posts, your emails, your tweets, your website, your mail shots, all of that is marketing. And then us in sales, we take it down the fairway, we put it <laughs> in the green, we put it right up to the pin and then we put it in the ball, put the ball in the hole. Because when the ball goes in the hole, that's when we make money, that's when the sale happens. And then usually what happens is if I'm doing this live, I'll have some smarty pants in the audience who put up their hand and go, that's a load of rubbish. That's rubbish, Alison. What happens is us in marketing, the marketing department, we put the tea in the ground, we put the ball in the tea and we put the, the ball right up to the pin and you sales guys tap it in and take all the glory. And yeah. I think if your marketing is good, so if you've got really good marketing, actually it's as easy as that. So now, again, if you look at an inbound, if you've done LinkedIn, so sometimes people will come to me, I've seen your stuff on LinkedIn, I'm really interested, Alison, can I come on one of your courses? Can I buy your book? Can I do whatever? That's just good marketing. But I think we all crave the holy grail, which is a hole in one for marketing where people just, if you look at Amazon and eBay, that's not sales at all. That's just a pure hole in one for marketing. That's the holy grail. Interesting. And we could certainly talk about this all day. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd argue as well without going into it too much that sales reps, I think I've said this on previous episodes, sales reps should be doing their own marketing. And what I mean by that is not just relying on marketing to hand inbound leads, but they should be using tools like social, like LinkedIn, posting daily, engaging with other posts, like you say, reaching out to people that have viewed their profile with value, as in what prompted you to, to look at my time. profile. And, and then, yeah, use, use, all the, use all the tools in your yeah, toolkit, really. I think it's growing a personal brand. I mean, if you look at what Daniel Disney has done, it's phenomenal, like the daily sales, the memes. You know, he was doing a lot of that stuff when he was still employed and he was making sales for the company that he worked for because he built a personal brand. And I think that's okay to do that as an employee. Definitely. One more thing before we move on. So what I've found as well is, do you use LinkedIn premium, Alison? Um, sales Navigator, sorry. Um, only just, and i tell you why, because I did all that stuff without having anything. But what I found was I would jump in and out the trials. So I would do the free trial and the free trial ended ah, right, up. Yeah. But like some of my post, posts will get up to like 45,000 views. And what was happening, and again, oh, I don't know if anybody from LinkedIn's listening, but I felt that my when I came off of Premium or Sales Navigator, my posts weren't traveling as far, and I felt as if I was getting penalized. So I jumped back on, but again, I, I, that, you know, 
please if anybody from LinkedIn for listening. <laughs> I don't know if that is the truth. No. But you know, I felt that, you know, my, my a good post for me will be twenty thousand views. A really good post will be forty five. But when sure. I was coming off, it, I was getting about five hundred. But but I, I only went on, you know, I was probably on for five or six years before I did the trial. So I don't think that you really need premium unless you are using Sales Navigator as a bit of a CRM. And we've done that as well, you know, to get our data. But then we tend to take that off and put it in CVS files. You know, I think there's different things you can do with it. Okay. Yeah, the only reason I ask is because I know if, if you're not on Sales Navigator, you can, I think you can only see up to five people at a time of who viewed your profile per day. Whereas with Sales Navigator, you can, you, you can see the whole list of everyone yeah. that's viewed your profile in the last, I think, 90 days. So that, that's the data I'm interested in now, which I might need to go back on it purely for that reason so I can reach out to mm-hmm. the people and, and start more conversations. That's, that was why I was interested to us. Yeah, but then I would probably look at who's viewed my profile about six times a day anyway. Just and it's to constantly changing. Well, <laughs> yeah, but the thing with it is if you look at, you know, a sales lead. So if a sales lead comes in, we all know as salespeople, like we're on that like a rash. We want to be on that within like, you know, the first few minutes so that it's sure. still hot. If somebody's viewed your profile, you know, you don't want to like be too stalkerish. But if you're checking it regularly, you would pick that up anyway, unless obviously you do a great post that goes viral and then you can't keep up with the views. Got it. Awesome. So let's move on. So that was the BT Outbound Call Centre. What was next up? Um, Again, literally, I know that I could talk all day about sales. Um, So I really wanted to, and I think this is important, especially now with the job market, Sam, really know your worth and know what you want. So having worked in hospitality, I was really face-to-face. Um, we then moved down to Wiltshire. So I was traveling from, from um, Chippenham to Taunton to work in a call center to dial out to speak to people in Chippenham. So it wasn't working and I wanted to do field sales. So I okay. really wanted to work for Yellow Pages, right? Literally. It was my ideal job. And again, I'll be quite candid. The part of the reason it was the ideal job, in 1998, the basic salary was 32. Most people were earning 60, 70 grand. But to get a job at Yellow Pages, it was for every job, 100 people had applied. It was such a sort of... Competitive, very competitive. So (laughs) they wouldn't give me a job in field because they said I didn't have enough experience. So I went, right, okay, I'll go and get a job in field. So I went to work for Dow Egberts, the coffee company. And I did that for 18 months, smashed that, won the prizes. And then 18 months later, I knocked on the door and went, hello, it's me. I'm back. When do you want me to start? I've got my fields experience. I've hit all the targets. So again, I think that's really important to have a really strong goal and company that you want to work with. You know, if you want to work for Microsoft and you don't get through Papersoft, get the feedback, tweak what you do, and then go back. So, you know, I think that's really important. And then I spent 15 years working for Yale and I smashed it and I won the prizes and I won the trips. And and then um, I was actually asked back, I was due to do this um, before lockdown was to be the keynote speaker at their annual sales conference. Because okay. like, like the prodigal daughter was going to return. So um, we, we still will do something with Yale, but um, we're still waiting for the, obviously the timing to be right for that. So yeah, I think the important thing is if you really want to work for a company, it's just like selling yourself. It's the same as prospecting, isn't it? Great. And you've reminded me of something you said earlier. Um, I love the fact that they said basically you need some experience. So you went to another company, proved that for 18 months or so, and then yeah. Went, yeah. went straight back in the door. You mentioned about having a solid sales process. 
So I know we, we, we're strapped for time, but let's, let's quickly go over a, a process that can work for most people in sales, if we may. So yeah. I know there's, there's many sales processes out there. You've got Challenger, you've got Sandler selling, you've got loads. Mm -hmm. And typically they're kind of build rapport, find the pain, find out um, things like budget, decision maker, and mm -hmm. timelines, and then establish if there's a fit. So that's, that's a rough kind of selling cycle. Is that something yeah. you follow? Have you got something a bit more detailed yeah, to show so us? I took a lot of the stuff that I had learned at Yale, a lot of the stuff I had learned at BT, a lot of the stuff I had learned in hospitality. So when I was writing the book, I had to work out what I was going to teach. You know, what, what, what is my process? So I look at, again, the customer in the middle. And a lot of the stuff I, I do is around DISC. I'm a DISC practitioner. So around understanding behaviors. And, you know, one of my things is don't treat other people how you want to be treated because that's how we were all brought up. So flip the coin and treat them the way that they want to be treated. So like again, that. you know, the same, the introduction, what's in it for them, asking great questions, listening, get to the need, you know. But I think the bits that I find um, that people like that I teach that are different to the other processes, it's quite relatable. So for me, if I go out with a field salesperson, you know, sometimes they forget to set the table. And what I mean by that is, you know, if we're all going out for dinner and it's a set meal, you've got two forks, two knives and a fork and a spoon. We all know we're having a three course dinner. People start to, to go in and do the questions without saying, look, I'm going to be asking questions around this and the next thing, it's going to take about 30 minutes. And what my expectation is at the end of this, then I'll be taking that away and we'll come back. We can set another appointment and we'll do this because th then everybody knows what's going on. Sometimes when people don't set the table, the customer's got no idea why somebody's asking those questions and it goes skew if it just goes off. And I mean, it's interesting you talk about challenger sale because I'm a believer in challenging, but the problem is so many people haven't earned the right to challenge and it can become quite aggressive, um, especially again in a male-to-male -male sales sometimes again as a woman in sales we've got i feel we've got a bit of an advantage because we um we can get round things a little bit slicker and quicker without it being so confrontational but you know i've seen some horror stories for people challenging at the wrong time and and it, it not working out so well it can be tough and you're exactly right i actually had a call that was similar to that this morning really um with a guy that was strapped for time and i was trying to find out a bit more about an inquiry made with us via email i think it was a while ago and yeah just just very very confrontational like i've already got something in place for this um just just not really wanting to talk so if you've got any tips for how we can kind of let's say diffuse people that are in um they might have had a really bad weekend everything might yeah. have gone their wife might have left them their dog might have died their cat just got run over they just picked yeah. up the phone to a sales professional how can you calm someone down that's well a couple of things i think it, and this is quite controversial right because um and i know it's a closed question but you know it's now a good time to have a conversation about this because you don't know what's going on. And a lot of people, oh, especially when they phone me, Sam, I get so irritated. They, start, <laughs> they don't even ask me any questions. They just, boom, with all their garbage. I'm not interested. And that, that makes me mad. So sometimes, actually, it's the salesperson's actions that cause that friction because, you know, people are scared to ask, is now a good time to speak in case they, they, they jump off the hook. But if it really isn't a good time to speak, why would you try and get somebody to speak? Because they're never going to buy from you anyway. 
you know, how are you fixed for a few minutes now? No, I'm really, I'm under a car or I'm, you know, cleaning up child sick or whatever. Sure. Timing is everything. You know, the point about the Yale story is it took me 18 months to go and get a job with them. You know, don't, it's, it's based on the time and being right. So um, I would say that that's, a diff, you know, that is, it, you know, and so many people say, don't say that. I disagree. I completely disagree with that. Um, the other thing is the behavior. So if that's a task focused extrovert, if that's a red on the disc um, spectrum, then they will, they will not cut, you know, they've got no emotional connection to you. They're not focused on people at all, only the task. And that's why so many people, again, try and be polite. They don't, they don't change their behavior. Whereas again, if it's somebody like that, you know, Dave, I need to talk to you for two minutes. We were talking about this. How are you fixed to do that now? That, no, I've not got two minutes. Give me a call back on Tuesday. Right, Dave, what time? And Dave, just out of interest, if one means that, you know what? This is never going to happen. You're just trying to fob me off. And five means you really want to talk to me. Where are you on a scale of one to five, Dave? Oh, I'm interested. I think it might be, it's just not a great time. Scale it in, test their intention. You know, unless you've only got three customers in the whole world, and you need to treat them with kit gloves. I think, again, that's what I mean by challenging. And again, I know that my tone, my pace at the moment is quite fast and quite aggressive, but that's because we're <laughs> running out of time. Yeah, no, that's fair and enough. And actually, it's, you know, you look at um, the person that you're dealing with, it's all in the book, Secrets of Successful Sales. I love that. It's, it's, that could also be applied, I guess, when people, when you're reaching out to people, let's say coldish, and they say, oh, just send me, send me an email or send me some information and things like that. And it's like, well, if you use your scale that you've just measured there on a scale of kind of one to zero being not interested, five being very interested, where would you place yourself? If they say zero or one, they just want the email to get you off the phone. If they, if they actually peak it higher, then they actually do want to hear from you. So yeah, definitely. And the other thing with that is, again, if you look at the behaviours, a green, who's a relationship-focused introvert, so already my tone and my pace is a little bit softer, and what will happen with them is they don't like to, to tell you no, so they ghost you. So I'm sure everybody's got people in their pipeline that have been ghosted, and actually, you thought, they're quite nice, they're a really nice person. And it's just the fear to say no to you. And especially if you're a red salesperson, you're going, I need to know now, I want it now, press the order, press hard, five copies. And the green, they go, well, that's no problem. Could you just send me an email to nevergonnahappen.com? And then what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ghost you for the rest of your life. So, you know, and I think the behaviours is such a key part of it. And so many people don't know it. They've never been taught it. And I think, again, it depends when you come from a big corporate company, they ram it down your neck forever. But if you're in a small organisation or you're an entrepreneur, this stuff is, is one of the massive keys um, Definitely. around the behaviour. Great tip. Love it. Okay. So uh, moving on, was there, was there any more actionable tips you could share with us before you decided to take the leap, Alison, and set up on your own? So, um, I mean, I think for me, I didn't really want to ever set up my own business, but I think another key tip is, and I think now that the world has changed, that you have to believe in what you sell, because if you don't 100% believe in it, you're really going to struggle to sell it. And, and again, it's, it's interesting around entrepreneurism, because a lot of people talk about, you know, would you like to make six or seven figures? You know, do you want to get rich quick? Blah, 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 blah. 
if you do anything just solely for the money, it's never going to work. You know, you have to believe that your product or service is, you know, the white knight saving that person's whatever it is you're saving. So um, I would say that, and it's interesting around change because I've always been, you know, quite a, a, a force for change. I believe in change, believe in doing things differently. But when you're selling a product and it's not evolving with the pace of change that you are, then, you know, maybe that isn't the right company to work for. Don't, you know, look for what you really want to do. Again, going back to the why I wanted to work for Yale in the first place and made a strategy, an 18-month strategy to get a job with them. Love that. Okay. Yeah, you've got to, got to enjoy it. You've got to be passionate. I couldn't agree more. It's just, just no real longevity in it, is there really, in terms of what you do? You can. Um, and I think then, and what you will then do, you, you could do it, but you probably a do one, miss one, do one, miss one target hitter and, you know, I, I, I talk about the stars, you know, they stay positive, they're resilient, they're always focused, they're tenacious, and that's what equals success. So I think it is the combination of those things. But if you don't believe in your product, you're really going to struggle to sell it anyway. 100%. Right, let's talk a bit more about your, your company, Sales Coaching Solutions Limited. I know you've acquired some great customers, as we said in your intro, such as Sky, the Discovery Channel, and many more. So it'd be great to learn a bit more about how you set up, Alison, was it easy? Did you have a line of customers knocking at your door saying, please work with me, please work with me? Or were you hitting the phones? Were you hitting the emails? Were you using digital marketing? Tell us a bit more about what the early days were like and how you scaled it up. The early days were so rough. I mean, I think my top tip for this, anybody that is thinking about setting up their own business, no matter what it is they're thinking about doing, the temptation is you just want to jack in your job and start doing it don't do that. I mean, literally, thank goodness, my husband is Captain Sensible because I would have jacked in my job and started doing it. But <laughs> it, make, it puts you under a lot of pressure because at least if you're working, when you set the business up, you've still got money coming through because 90% of startups fail. So there is a chance that your business might not work. So for me, what I did was I did part-time and then I ran the business part-time, but it was hilarious. Sam, I kid you not, right? I'm, I'm literally covering this. My new book's called The Art of Getting What You Want, right? And I'm writing about this at the moment because when I started the business, I, I just didn't have a clue. And I had real imposter syndrome. I mean, and I, I kid you not, I went to a networking event in Trowbridge, right? So you know where that is. And um, <laughs> there was two ladies that ran the networking, Elaine and Emma. And they said, that guy over there wants sales training. And in my head, so I'm, I'm like, oh, he doesn't want me then because I'm not really a sales trainer. I'm just like somebody that's good at sales that's pretending to run a business. And do you know what? Literally, I met the guy a few years later and he went, I really would have worked with you. I really liked you. And I'm like, oh my God, I was like so scared. And I think that was, it was really, I was frightened. But I think when I, the first inquiry did come through my website and it was a recruitment consultancy, and I did some work with them and I think that gave me confidence. And then what I did was I did a lot of face-to-face -face networking. I did a lot of, um, but in London. So again, I always, you know, going back to marketing and how that fits together, um, I always want to play big. You know, I never just wanted to be a little, you know, training company in Wiltshire. I want, I want to take over the world, literally. I, I'm, I, I will take over the world um and go global with everything it's, I'm doing. yeah it's interesting you should say that i had a similar experience like for example because we're local we i used to go to a lot of networking events in the southwest yeah but i, I don't know what you think but this is probably just my ignorance i'm not a massive face-to-face -face person so i am an introvert and um, mm. that's why i love inside selling 
and I love saying to people over the phone via Zoom, etc. And I found a lot of it was just hot air, as in I was just talking to a lot of people in these events and only got one or two leads. Yeah, we got a few sales. And I thought this, this was just, this was probably about five or six years ago. And at the time, LinkedIn was getting hotter and hotter. And I thought, look, I can spend a heck of a lot better use of my time on LinkedIn. Yeah. Plus, I can do all the other stuff whilst I'm at the office yeah. and uh, I can build up my pipeline that way. Um, so I yeah. just moved it all digital. Um, but I like what you're saying, kind of, you went where the big hitters were in London. Because obviously there's, yeah, there's big, big business that, to be had there. Yeah, I think that comes back to growing a personal brand. So what I talk about in the book, this Secrets of Successful Sales, I talk about the chocolate bar strategy and I compare myself to a Cadbury dairy milk. So like when I'm at work, um, you'll see me, I'll always wear pink. So, you know, there's a story behind the pink. I went to Downing Street did the research, you know, was meeting the prime minister and all that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking, right, what do people wear? And they all wore black coats. And I'm like, not on my watch. So I rushed off to Davidoms and I got a pink coat. So that's where the brand in pink comes from. Because why nice. would you blend in when you can stand out? And again, coming back to the Cadbury dairy milk strategy. So I think for me, you know, it was a, a natural um, transition to obviously, you know, go to the garden party, be voted one of the UK's top 10 business advisors. It didn't really happen by luck. It happened by strategy. And again, as part of the Cadbury dairy milk, when you start to grow a brand, when you start to get, you know, people recognize it as a, a brand value, somebody they want to work with, like, know and trust, then you do create more inbound inquiries. Um, but we don't get like we don't get the traditional like we do sometimes do Google AdWords and stuff like that. But our phone really never rings. Most of our stuff will come from like me being proactive okay. and, and using a strategy of who do I want to work with. So if you look at the Discovery Channel, that came from a, one of my clients was in the Maserati 100, which is a big event for entrepreneurs. He couldn't attend at Sunday Times building. I went in his place. I worked the room, did some sales training. One of the ladies that I trained was the head head guy at Discovery Channel's wife. So again, that came from literally me being in London at the right place. Same with Sky. I spoke at an event. When people when people touch wood, one of my, my strengths is I'm really good on stage and people engage with what I say. So when they hear me speak, it starts to then, that's where the inquiries come. But you don't always get allowed to be on a stage. So things like the business show um, or the Sales Innovation Expo, you know, the, you have to work high at getting a profile that they would want so that you attract people to your stage. So again, that's where another thing about sales and marketing working together. It's really important that sales and marketing work together. Great stuff. Okay, so it sounds like quite a mix of things, really. Face-to-face -face networking, public speaking. <laughs> the dogs enjoyed that one. Oh, um, <laughs> sorry, Sam. You no see worries. my face now with We've, dog barking. You never bark. We've got a little pup ourselves. Um, so then you've got events and then outreaching as well, it sounds like. So reaching out to, to people you want to do. Proactive. I think my word for everything is proactive. Whether you're proactive on LinkedIn, whether you're proactive in face-to-face, -face, whether you're proactive on the phone, I think that that's the difference between a, a top-performing salesperson and I do one, miss one. You know, you do things proactively. If you don't do things proactively, you're never going to be an overachiever. No, that's, that's been great, Alison. We've covered some great grounds. We've learned your story. We've learned how you built your business up. For anyone that's tuning in, that's thinking about taking the leap and wants to start their own business, or anyone who's recently started their own company, are there any tips or quick golden nuggets of advice that you could share that may help them? 
Yeah, I definitely have a plan. Um, definitely set good foundations. Definitely learn to sell. So many people annoy me because they think, oh, oh yeah, I'm going to set up a business. And then, and then they go, oh, yes, and I'm going to get a salesperson. And well, you know how much a salesperson costs? They're a commodity. A good salesperson is a really costly asset. You need to really, nobody loves your baby the way you love your baby. And that's why at the start of a business journey, you need to sell it yourself. But I've got a free course, Sam, if they jump on entrepreneursgodmother.com, um, I've got two free courses, one for sales and one for starting a business. So they can work their way through that. There's no charge for it. So it's entrepreneursgodmother.com. Great name. And is there one thing that people should be doing with digital marketing from today that's going to help their business? I think don't be afraid. So, you know, sometimes we have, I've lost a lot of weight, Sam, and I'm rebranding and there's a, there's a big announcement, huge announcement, which comes out in the autumn. And sometimes I, I worry if I overpost or overshare or put too many pictures of myself or, but the feeds run so fast. What's the worst that's, that's going to happen? Somebody goes, I don't like her. I'm going to unsubscribe. Well, I welcome unsubscribers because if you don't want to be in there, you don't want to learn from me, go and learn from somebody else. I used to get offended and upset when I would lose a follower or somebody would say like a mean comment or, you know, somebody would say something. And now I honestly think you're not going to sell to everyone all the time anyway. So just, you know, do your bit. If you don't post, then there's one thing for sure. If you're not posting, people are definitely not going to find out about you. So, you know, that, that would be my top tip. Don't be afraid think of new angles finish on an open question and try and get some engagement that grows your profile awesome love it and completely agree i mean there's well over 600 million people on linkedin so if when it comes to social especially if someone on follow follows you it's not the end of the world there's uh, there's a few more million people there to do business with yeah and I, I welcome them don't you know i've got a thick skin like a rhinoceros thick skin it's needed in sales that's for sure excellent well you've been tuning into sam's business growth show where we sit down with business leaders experts and entrepreneurs from around the globe we find out their story how digital marketing has helped them along the way and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your business alice so we'd like to ask everyone that comes on if you could thank just one person either dead or alive having a positive influence on yourself and your career who would that be and why lorraine lester who you've never heard of. So Lorraine is my friend from school from way back. And at the time when I was, I didn't know what I was doing. And I think we're all, you know, we get to a crossroads and it's a bit like who wants to be a millionaire? We phone our friend. And Lorraine Lester said to me, you're going to set up a sales training company to teach people to sell the way that you sell from your heart and with your passion. And to this day and forever, I will be grateful to Lorraine Lester. Brilliant stuff. So Alison, tell us a bit more about your business. Tell us more about the book and how everyone can connect and get in touch with you. So I would adore it if everybody could follow my YouTube channel. So if you find Alison Edgar on YouTube, um, I'm putting out some amazing content literally around change, around sales, around entrepreneurship, around confidence. Literally, the stuff is amazing. We love it. Um, so YouTube channel, definitely on all social. I'm at the Alison Edgar on Twitter, on Insta, on uh, Facebook. And then on uh, LinkedIn, it's Alison Edgar. So that's the best way. If you find me on social, I'm, I'm quite easy to find. Or you could use this thing that we use for sales, which we find phenomenal. It's called Google. Alison Edgar, like I've got quite a few pages. I'm not hard to find. Excellent stuff. Alison, thanks so much for coming on.
Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. Are you tired of constantly hunting for new customers? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities, all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending lots of money on advertising, but your website is failing to convert all of your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of new customers. If you'd like to learn more about our unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you, connect with Sam Dunning on LinkedIn or book a free 20-minute consultation via webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales and business growth tips from the experts.